Just before the show starts, I want to give you a quick warning. This week's interview features discussion of a child being coerced into sending explicit photographs and videos of herself. And she talks about her struggles with mental health and also uses some language that you might find upsetting. I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I'm joined this week, as every week, by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones, who is in French France. Hello, Imogen. I am French France. Gosh, 40 degrees. very hot. 40 degrees and terrible forest fires. So oh. yesterday Where we woke you? up and the whole of the sky was actually dark grey. We're in Bergerac. Oh. It's the fires from Bordeaux. It was really odd. It was like the zombie apocalypse. No sun at all. You couldn't see the oh. sun. It was blocked out and the air smelt of smoke that so you could feel you were inhaling smoke the whole time. It was very weird. <sighs> Quite scary, no? Yeah, it is a bit. I suddenly thought, hmm, mm, this, isn't, this isn't as funny as I thought it was. You know, 30,000 people have been evacuated and people have died, so it's really serious. Is it all in Bordeaux? Bordeaux, yes. All oh my God, there, the yeah. wine, the wine. What's going to happen to all the wine? The wine. <laughs> I know. I know. It's really weird. I mean, it's actually much better today. And water, we have thunderstorms. So the mm. air is now clear, which I think you've just had as well, haven't you, thunderstorms? Well, we had a bit of a fun that we had a sort of half-hearted one. I mean, the thing about France is that I suppose they're quite well equipped for this sort of thing because they have all those big seaplanes yeah. that scoop up the water and then chuck it everywhere. Whereas the Brits were mm. not very well equipped for this sort of thing in the UK. We don't really have any of that sort of stuff. Any summer or hot weather, but although clearly this week we have, but I mean, yeah. normally we don't. No, normally so we don't. that's the weird thing. I mean, it does get very, very hot in that part of France in the summer. And they yeah. do always have wildfires. Bad. But uh, mm. let's not dwell on that because we have an amazingly exciting show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> When Gay Longworth was called to visit her daughter's school, she had no idea that her teenage daughter had been coerced into sharing explicit photographs of herself or of the devastating effect that the fallout would have on her family. I am joined in the studio by Gay Longworth and her daughter, Roxy. Hello, ladies. Good Hi. morning. Tell us what happened to you. Um, when I was 13, I was pressured into sending some photos to a 17-year-old guy. Mm -hmm. He then shared these with his friend who used them to basically blackmail me into sending more and more because he said if I didn't if I didn't send I didn't know who this second guy was and mm -hmm. he said if I didn't send what he asked for he would send the ones he already had to everyone at school and you were 13 I was 13 and they were 17 I mean I can remember being 13 and really wanting to impress all the old boys at school mm. and also I was really unpopular at school and everybody hated me so I can remember getting an older boyfriend in order to make myself more popular with the girls. I didn't get the boyfriend because I wanted the boyfriend. I wanted all the girls to like me because I had the popular boyfriend. Mm. Yeah and it definitely does get you a bit of status doesn't it? It Which does. Yeah. But of course, you see, in my day, we had no camera phones, so you couldn't do something yes. like that. It wasn't a danger. You just made a fool of yourself and that was about it. But you didn't have anything sort of, you know. So what did you do? Did you keep it to yourself? I would never have told my mother about this. But the fact that you guys have written a book together is amazing. I mean, what, at what stage did you go to your mum and say, oh, my God, this has happened. What am I going to do? Never. I, di I didn't. You know, eventually this guy asked for a video and I couldn't send it. Mm. Um and what, so you couldn't he, send it because you didn't want to send it or you couldn't send it because... I mean I didn't want to send any of mm. I didn't really want to send of I didn't course. want to send any of them there was a huge mm. amount of pressure it was 
horrible. It was months and months of just kind of hiding my phone. Nights were bad. That's when they would ask. And I didn't have any control. But the video, mm. I don't know, the video was... It was a step too far. It was a step it? too far. Mm. I mean, and the threat behind it was, if you don't, then I'm going to send all these photos around school. So, you know, you're, you're trapped either way because the idea of everybody having those photos yeah. meant it was the end of Roxy's world. And I oh, knew nothing. And course. she was dealing with it all by myself because, like you, that she just... It was an impossible thing to... Gay, when did you realise that something was fundamentally very wrong? I didn't until the school called me in and told me that Roxy had been sending photos to boys. Oh, so it was her right. fault? Absolutely, from the first day. <sighs> but I, it's not until I wrote the book with Rox, or in fact we wrote it separately, mm. that I, I actually was able to put that into sort of mm. real context. Mm. That You know, we both took that on. Mm. We, we took on the responsibility. I, as the parent, and Roxy, as the child, took it on the responsibility. It sounds so obvious now to, show, to be like, you know, that's mad to say, you know, I was 13, they were 17. It's mad for them to have said, for me, like victim blaming, right? Like, that's quite... Yeah, I mean, a 13-year-old mm. child, when it's told to do something by a 17-year-old I mean, that's a huge, big age difference. Yeah, he at has that all stage. the power. He has all the power, and well, you can't consent he, to anything at thirteen. No, you, by law, if a seventeen-year-old boy has sex with a thirteen-year-old, that is rape. Right. Yes, isn't exactly. it? Statutory so, rape. So, yeah. But at the time, it didn't even cross my mind that something had been done to me. I mean, even the second guy using the photos from the first person, his friend, to threaten me, it, it didn't cross my mind that something had been done to me. I felt so guilty and ashamed and disgusting and like and that's how I felt for years about mm. the photos and we never spoke about it and I never really explained how threatening and how bad it had gotten mm. and the boys told everyone at school that some random girl in year nine had sent them photos out of the blue they didn't even know who she was and and that was it and that was the story that everyone and have knew. the boys ever been reprimanded or do we know who they are mm. um they haven't at the time I mean, I don't know the details, but they def they weren't suspended, they weren't expelled, they were still around. I, so you had I to go had, through the I rest was punished your, by the school. So you had to go through the rest of your schooling with those boys there. I tried to stay at the school. I mean, the bullying was so bad, and I felt so guilty because I was being punished. So I, I ended up getting really ill. Mm. Well, were you when being I, punished by the girls as well as the boys? Yeah, but I was punished by the school as well. Oh, I see what do you mean they punished you? Well. I was punished for breaking the ICT rules. I had to write a reflective essay. What? Uh, um, what? About why I'd done what I did and why I wouldn't do it again. How old were you when you wrote your reflective essay? I just turned 14. Right, okay. Beginning of year 10. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a similar thing with my daughter when she was about your age, but not to do with explicit pictures, but just to do with general sort of silly bad behaviour because she's quite mm. a wild person. And, you know, you remember that Imogen. I and do very again, well, yes. And, you know, she went slightly bonkers for a bit and again I knew nothing about it because 13 year old girls are really good at hiding their emotions and their problems I've discovered you know I, I didn't know that then but but I subsequently realized and I sort of missed all the signs and I have to say the school were unbelievably useless at dealing with it and again totally blamed her and she was incredibly young and you know was just being silly in the way that 13-year-old girls are. But the problem is, is that with all the sort of technology and stuff now, 
you can't afford to make mistakes anymore because mm. if you make even the tiniest mistake, then it follows you around for the rest of your life. Yes. I mean, yeah. I am so grateful that when I was your age, Roxy, there were no cameras. We went to parties mm. and no one took pictures because in order to take a photograph, you had to have an actual camera mm. and, and a flash. And no one, of course, had that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So there yeah. was, And then you so had to have all... them printed. <laughs> and then you had to have them printed, which was always a big <laughs> exactly. trauma. Yeah. But there was, exactly. there, was, there was nothing. It was always just, you know, there was no record mm. of it. Whereas... This thing is there in in sort of you know digital pixels, and that's what's so horrible and hard mm. about it. But what seems said, so odd, though, Skay and Roxy, is how weirdly the school handled it. I find it very odd that they didn't, you know, they they seemed to be very accusatory, and there was no sort of pastoral care or or any care at all given to you, Roxy. It seems extremely odd that that was the way they handled it. I mean, they had decided that I had self-esteem issues and that's why I sent the photos. Mm. And I was just kind of, yeah, labelled this slut with self-esteem issues and I completely took it on. I mean, I I felt like that was me. Also, by, by the time the school found out and therefore I found out, Roxy had been handling this for weeks and weeks on her own. Mm. So mm. actually, by the time the photos were a big issue for us, they were almost irrelevant to Roxy because right. by then her mental health was crashing at mm. a really fast rate. And by the time I realised how serious the photos had been in that, that there was a power dynamic mm. that had been exploited, I was dealing with a mental health crisis and Roxy was hearing voices. So the photos mm. then... I mean, you didn't even really know until you read my version in the book. That's right. I didn't. I didn't because Rox couldn't say it out loud. Gosh. So how therapeutic was writing the book for you? What was it like? Did you, I mean, whose idea was it to do the book? And not mine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you're an author in your own mine. right, Gabe. Very well I, known author in your own it, right. Was it yours, Roxy? Was it your um, idea? Sort of. Tell me about the essay that I wrote. I wrote an oh, essay yeah. for mental health awareness. I got, because <laughs> when I was acutely in a psych you know I had a really major psychotic episode and you know was on suicide watch for a long time so we spent every second of every day together for a long time mm. and after that I mean we were so done with each other like <laughs> like I mean and we couldn't talk about what had happened so we basically just didn't have a relationship mm. and then during my A-levels in the evening I would I started writing down what had happened because I hadn't told anyone like mm. not even my mm. friends so you just got in trouble with the school they made you write a stupid essay and that was it no one offered you any help did the school offer you any help counselling yeah no they, they made me see a counsellor who was definitely not trained enough to be dealing with mm. the situation they had told her their version of what had happened and she was brought in to deal with why I'd sent photos. Mm. But, but the boys, you know, the boys didn't have to have counselling to deal with why they had felt the need to ask a 13-year-old for pictures. Mm. Like, So when, can I just go back to the first time you were sent a picture? What happened? What was the situation? Because that was the moment, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, as I, just as a 13-year-old in general before that, I, I was definitely struggling with... I spent my whole life really struggling with how my brain works and trying to... Peer group, like, settle in. Try, trying to settle in, but my my brain always felt very kind of crazy and mm -hmm. uncontrollable. And sometimes, like, I was just being controlled by it. And I, I'd always really struggled to sleep. I was just trying to work it all out, like, as you are, as mm -hmm. you, you know, you're trying to do that. And um, this guy started texting me, and he he was pretty popular 
He was. Good looking. And... How did he get re- your number? Yeah, by the Imogen, way. I was just about to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> so no, none of it's done. None of it's done on like normal text. It's like Snapchat has just started, hadn't it? Uh, it was terrifying. Is that what it, it is? Okay. It was it, terrifying yeah. the parental Shut body. Shut up, ladies. Let her speak. Sorry, honestly, sorry. stop interrupting the girl. It was actually <laughs> sorry, Facebook. Because on Facebook, you can message someone very. I don't know anymore, but back then you could. You didn't even have to be friends on Facebook for them to send you a message. Okay, so is oh. that what people say when they talk about sliding into your DMs? <laughs> I don't understand oh, this talk. Mama, I think that please never on say your Doc that Martens. <laughs> no, I'm not oh going to say, God. I won't say sliding into your that's DMs. That's Instagram. But, uh, that's Instagram. Okay. Yeah. So they messaged you out of the blue. Stop laughing again. <laughs> <laughs> they messaged you out of the blue on Facebook. Uh, this, yeah, this guy, this one guy did. And yeah, I was definitely flattered. And But he would only text me in the evening. Hmm. Never spoken to him. But Why do you think he targeted you? <sighs> I think he was sending messages to everybody. Lots. Ah. Um, I think he. I think he was. Yeah. He hadn't texted anybody else in my year at the time that I knew of. I mean, at the time, I thought it was because you know I was like, oh wow, does that mean like I'm particularly attractive? Mm. Like that's. Mm. I mean, that's how I felt. But he would only text me in the evenings. He never talked to you at school, right? No, we never spoke. No. Um, this whole relationship was was on text, and he started asking photos really quickly. And like it was a very normal thing. And I, I was just confused, scared. I made excuses for a long time. I, I can't, oh. You said you were babysitting. I don't even know why I felt the need to make excuses, but I didn't feel like just saying no was, was I, an option. But I, but I can totally understand why you felt the need to make excuses because when you're that young and somebody like that gets in touch with you and you're desperate to be popular and you're not happy mm. in your own head and you're trying to work a load of things out... You feel guilty about everything and you feel confused about everything. So, yeah. you know. That's it's like when your parents give you like, or when you come up with like kind of slightly cooler responses to when people, if, if someone offers you drugs or a mm. cigarette, it's mm. like you come up with something that isn't just no so mm. that you don't seem really uncool. It was like that. Mm. But then he was saying everyone's doing it. So if you don't do it, why would I speak to you basically? Yeah. And said, you know, if you don't send them, I'll have to tell everyone how boring and frigid you are. Yes. And it was just like... I mean, I remember that when, from when I was young, from when I was mm. that age. Boys trying to have sex with you or kiss you, you say no, and they'd say, well, you're just a frigid old bitch then, aren't you? And that felt really terrible. Yeah. Because I really remember that when I was... I was a bit older than you, 15, 16. But I can remember feeling that, that real smart of a humiliation of yeah. somebody saying that. To well, it's the word frigid, really isn't it? The yeah, idea of it, being frigid is, yes. is really uncool because what you yeah. want to be is hot. Yes, so, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you are hot, oh, Imogen, because it's 40 awful. degrees. <laughs> but yes, so carry on, Roxy. <laughs> um, and so eventually I sent one. You were really upset though. Oh yeah, as soon as I'd sent it, I was just, I cried. I was just, I was in a bikini. Mm. Like it didn't even feel that, you know, people post photos of themselves in bikinis. Yeah, so he could have just screenshotted it off your, you know, it's the kind of thing Instagram, that you see yes. on the in- yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't, po- I, I hadn't posted things like that, but but yeah, I was confused as to, you know, if it really hurt sending it, like it was like, well, the fridge had hurt, and then when I'd sent it, I felt like so kind of, I, I was like shaking, mm. and but then his response is like, you're so hot, mm. and then that felt really good. Mm. So I was like crying, but also felt really flattered. Mm. And it was just really, really confusing. And, and I had, and I didn't realize that with every photo, I was lo- completely losing control. Like they had them. Like I, 
I was just giving, yeah. I mean, they completely owned me once they had those. Yeah. And I, well, I it's a bit know, like someone no. giving you drugs and then giving you more drugs and then giving you more mm. drugs and then you can't live without the drugs. It's a get, you know, it's, oh, it's that's a, the grooming kind of the, element. It's a gro- that is mm. the grooming element. I mean, yeah, but then on top of that, they had the, by they a seventeen-year-old had... boy. I mean, that is a criminal offence, and mm. that person should be prosecuted. It still feels weird to hear you say that because that's so not how I thought about it for so long. Of course long. not, but that's so why weird. that's how grooming works. Yeah, is they make the girls feel grateful for what they're getting, and they make them feel like they're special, and they make them feel, you know, they play on all of your insecurities. You're 13. You're probably worried about your appearance. You think maybe I'm not as pretty as all the girls out there, or I'm not as clever, or I'm not funny, whatever. My hair's the wrong colour. My legs aren't long enough. You know, in my case, you know. My, boobs aren't big enough and they come in and they this is how these grooming gangs work you know you look at these gangs in Rotherham they get girls they give them nice things they give them pretty clothes and take them out and make them feel special and then they pounce you know mm. and, and you never think that you're gonna that you would be susceptible to that I of mean course not I mean never oh. mm. I mean it is a form of abuse and that's why I'm so surprised that the school was so terrible and that's well, why exactly. I'm so that's what that seems boys... odd is that they literally took the you, know, you had a choice of A and B and they took absolutely the wrong path. Yeah. Often in these grooming cases, as we've seen countless times, it's the girls who are blamed. Mm. I mean in you know, in Rotherham and Rochdale they were yeah. taking the girls back to the premises that they'd run away from because yeah. the police didn't believe them. Exactly. But that has changed now now. Exactly. Every domestic situation is vested. I mean you're lucky, Roxy, because your domestic situation probably you know, you've got nice mum gay, but the thing is it's not very much different really, I yeah. don't think, in terms of sort of as a qualitative analysis, it seems to me that that's the thing. And also the blame, shame and punishment that was going oh. on in Roxy's head. Well th- that kills people. Mm. I mean we So had what a... happened to you, I mean, in terms of your mental health? Um yeah, so so by the time you had been told about the photos, I've been dealing with for with it for months, and it had already pretty much like started to spiral already. I mean, you see in the book how far apart we are. And then when I was writing that reflective essay about why I'd sent the photos and why I wouldn't do it again, that was the first time I tried to cut myself because I, you know, I just I felt disgusting. It wasn't. I think for lots of people, when they self harm, it's about seeing blood and inflicting pain but for me it was just it was about punishing myself I Mm. felt like I really needed deserved that Mm. and And that that escalated pretty quickly and then and so now you know my friends stopped speaking to me guys would shout at me but honestly I became this little bubble my whole world was about self-harming and not sleeping I completely stopped I stopped sleeping which um but we all know how mad that makes anyone yeah. yeah I've always kind of had this quite controlling voice in my head. You know, again, in the book, it it does show a bit of when I'm a kid. I was very scared at night, so I would sleep with... At one point, I had five hockey sticks in my bed or... Yeah, or not being able to leave the house without a water bottle, like, not being able to... I remember all of this when you were little. (laughs) Mm. I do. And even now, I draw cubes everywhere, which is just... Cubes? Cubes. I mean, why? (laughs) <laughs> maybe you just want something safe and square that you can hide inside yeah but it was when I stopped sleeping that that kind of voice completely took over so I didn't even realize that I'd started hearing voices mm. I was just suddenly had no control over what I, I was being told what to do can I tell them the windowsill yeah I mean that because that was really the day when you realized I was properly unwell mm. I, Rox had gone upstairs and I went to check on her and she was sitting 
on the window ledge with her legs dangling outside the house. And I approached her so carefully. I, I knew immediately that something was really wrong. And she said the room was too crowded. That's why she was sitting outside the window. Right. And obviously the room was empty. And I right. thought, okay. That's not good. Okay, we're, we're somewhere completely different. And when I got her back in, her eyes had changed and... She stayed in that state for a long time while we tried to get help. And her eyes changed, Gay. What do you mean her eyes changed? Her irises were like pinpricks. And when she looked at me, it was like she didn't really know who I was. Mm. (gasps) I don't remember a lot. Uh, Once I'm that ill, I don't remember a lot. But I weirdly, I wrote a diary all the way through it. Um, Really? You know, my part of the book at that point is basically made up of those diary entries because I don't remember a lot. And one of the entries is... um, you know, I'm sitting in a room and I had to take the painting of this woman off the wall and turn it round to face the wall because she was just screaming at me. Horrible things. Okay, gosh, that's proper psychosis, isn't it? Oh yeah, it was proper psychosis. Gay, how did all this, I mean, I've been through stuff with my daughter, but nothing like this. I mean, it must have just been horrendous. There's nothing worse than your child being in pain, is there? Oh, no. No, there isn't. And any parent would testify. But once I knew what I was dealing with Mm. in that she was hearing voices. It was almost easier to, not easier, but I could really harness all my power to get the help that she needed. Mm. And that was a fight, like day in, day Mm. out, fighting to get the right appointments, to go through the hurdles, to get, you know, and the 111 calls and the out-of-hours GP and everyone's at the end saying, take her to A&E. I'm like, I am not taking my psychotic 14-year-old to A&E in the middle of the night to have her shipped off to Manchester, you know, mm. maybe end up in an adult ward. I mean, that that's, you feel sick, you don't sleep, but at least you have a goal, and the goal was to get her help. Did it affect your mental health? Did it make you depressed? When Rox was better... You suddenly crashed. Yeah, I crashed. Yeah. But when she, that's when she, she went off to a crammer, she did, you know, she was off school for a year, she did her GCSEs in two terms, pretty much. She did them, smashed them out of the park. And I think at that point, I mean, her life wasn't great. She had no mates. She was still, you know, recovery takes a long time, as anyone will know. But but at that point, I sort of, I definitely collapsed onto my knees and... I'm and do you exhausted. have brothers or sisters? Well, she's got two other sisters. That, I mean, yes, that's the must be really so difficult. How, how, how are they about all of this? I didn't talk to them about any of it. They're both younger than me and they are quite young at the time. But they remember, they still remember all of it. But I... I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't say it out loud. So I sort of retreated instead. So I wasn't a very good sister for a long time after that. And Do you feel very protective of them now? Um, I think, I mean, they are extremely strong people. And they are, <laughs> I think, you know, I wish I was like them when I was there. They are immense. <laughs> How old are they now? 14 and 16. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. See. 14 and 16, but obviously they've been through a lot. So they are very different young ladies. I mean, that couldn't happen to them because they have a vocabulary and understanding that, of course, Mm. Roxy didn't have at 14 and nor did I. So I'm Mm. a completely different parent. I I, I think you've changed a lot as a parent. You can't not go through that and not change. I mean, this is real uncharted territory for parents because it's social media... And it's something that most of us didn't grow up with. And I've parented my son very differently from my daughter as a result of the things that she went through, which I didn't understand. Mm. I mean, she had a terrible incident where she was cancelled on social media, which was horrific. And 
you know, I recognize that sense of desperation of your life just falling away from you, all of the things that you thought you had, but also the the vitriol and the aggression and the violence on social media is unbelievable. I mean, the things that people say and um, and it's it's really important to remember that it's not the it's not social media; it's the person. It's the people. It yes. is the person yeah. behind on the other side of that phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. saying those foul things. But you things. see, the thing is, you know, children these days can't. You know, when I was I was bullied at school, really badly bullied. They had badges, anti serafine Association badges, oh, and um, which I thought was very organised and quite proactive. But you know, I was quite badly bullied at school. But the thing about it is, is because it was before social media, before mobile phones, before smartphones, I could just go home and shut the door and it all went away. Whereas now it follows you, follows you into your bedroom, down through the internet, comes out into your phone and basically you can never escape it. Mm. You can never escape the bullies. And, you know, what happened to you, Roxy, was you were also, you were basically being bullied. Yeah, it's a mm. sexualized form sexual of bullying. bullying. Yeah, mm. yeah. You know, it's the but equivalent, it's, but, the digital You equivalent. have written an amazingly brilliant book about it, though, to yes. be honest. I think it's fantastic. And I love the dynamic between the pair of you and your different voices. And I think it's a, an amazingly brilliant read. But I also think, it's a, brilliant book for, I think it's a brilliant book for any parent and for any yeah, child, Yeah, it's brave and strong and brilliant and it's fabulous. So well done. Because I, I think it really... And it was number one on Amazon. And it was called When You Lose It, Two Voices. Was there anything else you wanted to say? Do you have a message? We've been yeah, asked. I think, yeah. We've been asked. What would you say to the thirteen-year-old, fourteen-year-old self? And mm. Rox and I have had lots of chats about that. And and actually, I I spoke to a friend of mine who used to work at MI6, and she said, "Show them the facts." And the facts are, there are three million self-generated child pornographic images mm. on the ten worst child pornographic sites in the, on the dark web, and those images are used as a key to get there, to yeah. get to the from the surface web to the dark web. So what are those 17 and 80-year-old boys doing? Maybe they're a bit bored of the, all the Pornhub stuff they've been watching for four or five years. And that photo is a ticket to somewhere else. Yeah. Can I ask one last question? Do you feel angry, Gay? Because I would be absolutely apoplectic with rage at what's happened to Roxy. I try very hard not to go to an angry place. I think we both feel angry for sort of different reasons. I'm angry that... I, you know, I wish there were a million things I wish I'd done differently and mm. that can end up as anger, but mostly it's sadness. Mm. Roxy? Yeah, I'm pretty angry. So, when, you know, when I first started writing this down when I was doing my A-levels, I just wrote down right in the evening and it was just, it was unreadable. It was so angry. It was like, it's just like every other word was a swear word and I was f furious. But when I read my mom's version, like, I was very angry at my mom and both my parents I don't think any 13-year-old should feel as a, like as alone mm. as that and I and no one to go to but when I started reading when I cuz I didn't also didn't know my mom's experience until I read her version and we wrote them completely separately mm. so we had no idea Start, it started to help me understand you know her decisions and and how you felt and I think when you're a kid your parent is just your parent like you don't really think about them having their own kind of internal world or messiness or personality yeah they don't exist outside of your own experience no of them. Yeah. they're your mom yeah and that is it yeah and it seems so obvious but yeah when i the book really helped started to make me think about you know that you had this whole other your own experience just like i had mine mm. 
I hope it's a line drawn underneath it and you can move on. I mean, it saved yes, our relationship, exactly. so yeah. it's already done a huge yeah. amount. Yeah. Yeah. There you Agreed. go. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. That was Gay and Roxy Longworth, whose book, When You Lose It, is available now. You've been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag, or Imogen at Imogen EJ. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.